0: I feel like you're saying that CPI isn't sexy.
1: (laughs) CPI, maybe not for (laughs) I? I don't know.
0: Hey everyone, good to be back with you for another episode of The Finance Burrito. My name's Tom Watson, and aside from being a host on this wonderful podcast, I am also a journalist at mozo.com.au, a financial comparison website. And of course, I'd better introduce the other half of the burrito, um, and that's my colleague and fellow journo, Liv G. Hey Liv, how was your weekend?
1: Hey, Tom, good. It was very solitary. Um, I don't think I realized I didn't really leave the apartment. We just had food, and we played some... VR, video games, and just sort of, you know, kept track of the news and watch what was happening in the, the US election. Oh, it's all wow. kicked off. Yes. So, drama. Exciting. Plenty going on. Are you
0: going to be glued to the, <laughs> the telly this weekend?
1: Potentially, when there's time. When I remember that the TV actually gets free to air, and I'm like, oh, I could I could watch something on it,
0: which is always a weird moment. Exactly, man. You can watch it all day and all night for days, potentially.
1: 24 <laughs> 7 news on a constant cycle. <laughs> but, um,. <laughs> I think speaking of spending sort of too much time and money on video games and never ending uh, TVs, um, what we're talking about today is lifestyle inflation. That is our main topic of conversation. So we'll get into the good, the bad and how to keep um, that kind of experience in check
0: hey i'm looking forward to that That that's a really cool subject Mm. um but you've also done a really cracking interview with uh someone who pulled up stumps and moved away from city living during COVID. so uh Mm -hmm. we'll hear about their journey later on in the show and of course finally we will spill the beans on a contentious topic for uh anyone that's ever lived at home with their parents as an adult so we're talking about uh how much should you contribute
1: Oh yeah, family feuds, ready to, ready to rumble on this one. But um, first we should get into the meat. So this is the part of the episode, as you all know, hopefully, where we bring in some stats, some research and hopefully some useful personal anecdotes to break down a topic. And today the topic is lifestyle inflation. So we've been wanting to talk about lifestyle inflation for a while because it's an interesting concept. Um, but it's kind of prime time now, uh, to, to to finally do it since inflation has, uh, been in the news the last couple of weeks
0: yeah it has uh kind of like perfectly timed actually because the Mm, abs we're pretty good at that (laughs) yeah we're so good at that uh so the abs uh recently released um their quarterly cpi figures um and for anyone at home who doesn't know cpi is consumer price index or the consumer price index which is used to measure household inflation so how much the cost of things like uh, food and alcohol, clothing, transport, education, childcare, et cetera, uh, how much mm. those things go up or down. Um, and without getting too much into the weeds of it, because you definitely can, uh, CPI rose by a pretty substantial 1.6% this quarter. So that's after a 1.9% decrease in the June quarter, understandably. Um, but over 12 months to September, CPI has actually increased by 0.7%.
1: Damn, Tom, that's a lot of decimal points. You got a lot going <laughs> on, <laughs> but like for a human brain, not that you're not human, probably. Thank you. Um, <laughs> inflation, inflation's important because like it affects the value of our money essentially, and therefore our power to spend and save, which is linked to pretty much everything we do financially. I feel like you're saying and that CPI
0: um, isn't sexy.
1: <laughs> CPI, maybe not for I. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean you know it just depends i'm not maybe i'm not always i'm not always up for numbers, okay. but Fair know, enough. it's still important <laughs> and i mean i think we touched kind of on this a few episodes ago when we talked about salary negotiations that was episode 3 if anyone's interested in going back and listening to it um but inflation is really relevant here because if your pay doesn't rise Uh, by at least the pace of inflation, so if inflation goes up, hopefully you'll get a pay rise, you're effectively going to be earning less.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a really good point. So that we really want to ram home all the time um, because it's Mm. a good reason to fight for that higher salary um, if you can. Always. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, But I mean, pay rises, obviously really great and all, uh, no doubt about that. Um, Who doesn't want more money to spend and save in their life? Uh, I do. Uh, everyone else does um the problem is uh and you mentioned keeping pace before live um the problem is when people's lifestyles start outpacing their income um, aka today's topic lifestyle inflation uh falling to lifestyle inflation seems like something which would be like super easy to do uh especially if you just coming to full-time work um and you're you know swimming in more money than you might be used to but has it ever happened to you Liv?
1: yeah i think normally i i say no to this kind of thing but i was actually thinking about it i'm like it's happened quite gradually recently as i've been working from home Mm -hmm. and there's been social restrictions in place so i haven't been like Going out to dinner or to events with friends as much, and so so I kind of had a bit of extra cash because I'm employed happily. Um, but instead of saving all of it, I used some of that money I was spending on going out just sort of buy like better quality groceries and like nice wine, like nothing crazy, but just everything a little bit better than like what totally I was doing you before. Doing that. Yeah, just a bit swanky um, compared to my normal like basic budget shop. Um, but then I, mean, I was wondering, I'm like, if I, as I start going out and seeing more people again, I'm going to have to cut back on my luxury grocery shop. And I'm like, can I can I do it? I don't know. I've gotten used What's to it.
0: What's the bougiest thing that you've been buying?
1: I get deliveries of um, organic, like, sulfate-free wine. And it's still a bargain because it's 10% off when you get uh, a case of six. So, and it's free delivery. But it's very, it's like, the sort of like, me, median $30 a bottle which for me is a bit of a yeah. bit of a jump yeah that's, yeah. That, that's not la la. <laughs> <laughs> what about you Sean?
0: um yeah I was thinking about this too um so mine example is probably a few years back when oh, I, well when I was at uni I was working casually right um as a lot mm. of us would have been and living in a share house um and the even doing that it always seemed to me like there was you know, plenty of money um, to spend on stuff and even save and go traveling. Um, hmm. You know, like I, I worked hard, but I always thought that you know, well, when I'm on a full time salary, I'll just be living the life because I'll have so much you, more money. Um,
1: you were like, I'm going to be a king. I'm going to be a hundred percent now. Yeah, I'll be sitting Imagine gig, what I could like become.
0: Smog esque <laughs> pile of gold. I feel like that's yeah, not the first totally. time we've referenced smog on this.
1: Maybe not. Like, <laughs>
0: Big Hobbit fans. Um, but you know, looking back, I don't think I appreciated how crappy our house was and how crappy everything that we owned inside the house was too. Um so you know, I'm no big spender by any means. And I think I've established that already on this show. But um I'm living in a nicer place now and I guess I'm buying nicer things, still traveling. So even though I'm on more money than I was back then, um it it's it's kind of it's kind of hard not to have like inflated you know, your lifestyle, my lifestyle um, over that period. And that's kind of like the point of making more money as well, right? You've got to kind of balance the two at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. Have a bit more fun while you're saving For sure, it. yeah. So when you sort of, you know, you left your motley crew in your <laughs> share house and you moved into a nicer place, did you kind of feel – Maybe pressure, but also just maybe a want to fill it with more nice stuff instead of milk crates or whatever.
0: We actually did have milk crates. And looking outside of my balcony right now, we actually still have a milk crate. So I have not upgraded that. <laughs> um, but yeah, de- yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, I had to add to the necessity because we just own nothing of worth yeah. or goodness. And also I needed <laughs> to impress upon my girlfriend that I was like a decent human being so yeah we ended up <laughs> buying like a washing machine in the fridge and then that turned into like a nicer tv and like gadgets and yep. all that kind of crap which we probably didn't yep. need to buy but we did
1: yeah well I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little a little history at oh, you Oh, okay and Unexpected. Um, tell you that this is something you've experienced called the Diderot effect the what Diderot effect okay. so yeah it's a bit of a mouthful so this is uh, an 18th century term coined by a French philosopher, Denis Diderot. Good name. Love the Makes name. Makes sense. And it's about his dressing gown, which I know a little bit. You didn't mention dressing gowns, but I imagine you have a robe of sorts. So, <laughs> but uh, basically he was given this new dressing gown, which was super nice quality and it kind of made all his other clothes and other things around him look kind of crappy. And so he was like, feeling pretty chuffed in his new gown. It didn't feel like it matched his his Luke. And so he went out and he bought a whole lot of Schmick stuff. And um, his experience really focused on and the way that he ruminated on it really focused on how this lifestyle inflation, having something and then wanting more, is really linked to your identity and how you sort of project to the rest of the world when you, when you do reach that level. You're like, I'm not a uni student anymore. I've, I've gone up a little bit even if it's just a dressing gown and um, yeah, the way a lot of people uh, achieve this or kind of get caught up in it is um, kind of mindless consumption. You end up with a pile of stuff that your former self would never have wanted or necessarily needed both practically and to sort of be fulfilled as a person and here you are and you're like, what am I doing?
0: Diderot effect. I thought- that makes complete sense to me. I think um, I don't have a nice dressing gown, um, but maybe I should go buy one. And well, well, maybe I shouldn't actually because it's the, the, yeah, could end up buying everything else that I don't need.
1: Yeah, just keep it, keep it the sad brown one, and then you won't need to upscale the rest of your wardrobe. You keep it simple. Oh <laughs> but um, we started this conversation talking about pay rises, right? Yeah. Because suddenly earning more can be a catalyst for lifestyle inflation, as we've seen. And so I thought it might be fitting to investigate how much a pay rise is actually worth, as in like how much money you get in your hot little hand when you're promised a salary bump up. So you've crunched the numbers, haven't you, Tom? I have,
0: because we need we need the numbers, and um, yeah,
1: and it's your turn for for more numbers. Yeah, uh, for the numbers man. These are today. sexy numbers
0: as well, unlike those CPI numbers. Uh, I, I, you know, you say I crunch them, but. Really, I just use an online calculator, so go and do that yourselves, it's super easy. (laughs) Um, So the little scenario that I did is based on, um, okay, let's say that you're earning $60,000 a year right now um, in Australia. So after tax and assuming that you're paying HECS as well, that number drops down to $48,513 or about $910 a week kind of after those expenses. So that's that's kind of your money to play with in a way. But guess what, Liv? <gasps>
1: what? You
0: just landed a new job paying seventy thousand dollars a year. You got a ten thousand dollar pay rise. Congratulations. Oh
1: my god, of course I did, because I'm I'm worth it. My hair, my skills. I'm ready for that, of course. that pump that bump up. And I'm so
0: ready. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like that's an easy ten thousand dollar a year gain, right? Mm. No. No, it is not. Oh. The real oh, no. increase after tax and hex between $60,000 and $70,000 is actually almost half, $5,150 a year or about $100 a week extra. So yeah, not as much as you're expecting.
1: The tax really gets you. But I mean, I do love like a weekly or literally even an hourly breakdown of cash because it's so much more like it's visceral you're like oh yeah i do spend that in a week without without sort of noticing unless i'm careful for sure it's so much easier
0: to appreciate when things are like at that level aren't they um Mm. but those those calculations actually kind of got me thinking about how much i spend living in sydney though Uh, i think it's hard Mm. not to when you are spending so much money on rent in particular uh so yeah good old most expensive city to live in in australia thanks sydney
1: yeah, it's it's, it's a bigot. And I mean, I'm from a small town originally. So to me, the idea of any kind of metropolitan living, it was like, woo, all of a sudden a lot more. But it was, was very eye-opening. I spent five years living on the South Coast at, for, during uni. And then I moved to the inner west of Sydney, which is where everyone from the <laughs> South Coast goes. <laughs> Feels safe there. Um, and just seeing how money could disappear into things like like Uber rides and food delivery and public transport and fancy restaurants, which were sort of either not available or you just weren't doing it as often in Wollongong. Like literally Uber only came in there a couple of years ago. And so it was just like, it literally just didn't exist. It wasn't part of my weekly spend. It was weird.
0: That makes complete sense, right? You know, um, And you've actually gone away and dug a little deeper on this whole topic um, by chatting with someone who... Uh, kind of turned that experience on its head. Um, So you're going to explore that in the source, I believe.
1: Yes, so I've been talking to Ash Denman and um, he runs a public relations business with his partner, Nicola Trotman. And they're now doing it out of a little Victorian beachside town called Jan which I hadn't heard of before, but looks beautiful on Google Maps. And um, up until about six months ago, They were actually city slickers in Melbourne. So um, I asked Ash why the pair made the move in the midst of COVID, so it was not all that long ago, and um, how the transition from the bustling CBD to the beach is going. Ash, thank you so much for chatting with us today. It's great to have you on.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me.
1: And um, we're talking about sort of taking a leap and leaving the big city for greener or beachier pastures, as it were. And you've done this recently, moving from Melbourne to Janjuk. When when exactly did you make this move?
2: Um, We officially moved out there, I think it was May of this year. So it's sort of going on six months now since we've uh, been out there. For geographical context,
1: about how far is it from the Melbourne CBD?
2: It's pretty much exactly 90 minutes but, okay, um, cool. but at the moment, with no traffic, um, when we've had to come back into town for work, things it's been an hour and twenty-two minutes. So it's okay. um, we've got eight minutes of um, reduced traffic, which is nice.
1: I like that you've been recording it down to a t. Well,
2: I just thought it was a hundred percent ninety minutes. It yeah. Just seems to just have gotten less, which is kind go. of good.
1: So um, the move, was this something, um, you move with your partner, is something you two have been planning prior to COVID impacting Australia?
2: Uh, we've always, uh, well, I grew up on that sort of side of town um, okay. in a suburb called Williamstown, and that was kind of where I sort of always headed for family holidays and, and you know, even trips with friends as I got a little bit older. Mm. Um, so I'd always wanted to move down there, but it was kind of the thing that we were saying we'd do when we were like 40 or, or whatever. Um, mm. You know, it was sort of like once the business we were running, you know, we could step back a bit. It was like, well, we would love to move to the coast and kind of live a bit more of a chill lifestyle. Um, So I guess it's been on the cards. It's been something I've been wanting to do forever. It took a bit of convincing to get Nicola on board initially. Um, I think Mm. she was sort of a bit nervous about moving away from friends, family and the kind of the big smoke sort of thing. Um, But yeah, definitely been on, on my personal radar for a long time and once. Uh, once I managed to convince Nicola, she was 100% on board and we made it happen.
1: Great. And um, so did, do you think the sort of the events of 2020 accelerated the, the want to, to get out of the city or was it sort of pre-planned, I guess?
2: Uh, without question, yeah. We, um, Like I said, it was more of a long-term plan. Um, you know, I've been living in the city for pretty much all 34 years of my life and was just getting really, really over it. Um And then when COVID happened and, you know, we we noticed pretty quickly, um, you know, that our team could not only just survive remotely, we were sort of thriving a little Mm. bit. It was like we were noticing people were, you know, feeling probably more comfortable in their own environment, um, you know, able to get through a lot more work without distraction. um, And we put in a lot of those kind of social things to keep everybody together. And once we'd done that, um, we realized it really didn't matter where we lived. Um, You know, we we were we were sort of we're pretty staunch advocates of being in the office, you know, prior to COVID. So we were kind of we need to be together. Um, We've got to all, um, you know, collaborate in person to be as creative as possible or whatever. Um, But then once we noticed that it wasn't that wasn't necessarily the case, our our tune changed pretty quickly. And um, yeah, if it wasn't for COVID, we definitely wouldn't have been in, in the position to move down there, because I think we would have been stuck in our old ways. So. Yeah, sort of
1: open a new, a new approach to, to the way we run things. Can you tell me a little bit about the, the business you run together?
2: Yeah, it's called Greenpoint Media. Um, essentially, it's a PR and communications cool. agency. So, yeah, our job is to essentially just help businesses tell their story.
1: Great. And how um, now you're working remotely, but further away, how has um, that kind of remote work impacted the, the day-to-day of um, operations, I suppose, and sort of being in a position of, of leadership?
2: Uh, it took some adjusting too. Um, one of the things that sort of sticks out in my mind is like when you're communicating a lot more via, you know, communications tools like Zoom or Slack or whatever, mm. particularly Slack that we use, you know, every single day, you lose a lot of context in your conversation, so one of the things, yeah, one of the things we flagged really early was, like, be as explicit as possible, you know, Um, when you're talking to people, like, you know, try try to make things as clear and simple as you can when you're communicating, so you're not leaving this air of ambiguity that kind of makes people, makes it harder for people to understand what you're saying, Mm. and we noticed that, like, some people say, oh, is he grumpy at me, is she grumpy at me? Yeah, Um, totally. (laughs) Yeah, i'm just so, thinking about our own office and i'm
1: just like oh no well, have i said something or have they said something? yeah for sure? so it's,
2: a, it's definitely a different dynamic because you can't see someone's face every day and you're not there to kind of cut somebody on the shoulder and you know ask them a question about whatever it might be but um look i think those are really small kind of negative um you know i guess in terms of running a business the, the challenge was you know Uh, what's happening in the broader world, really, Mm. rather than what was happening internally. We adapted pretty fast. Um, And being like a creative business where everything we do, you know, it's pretty much online and a few different programs we use. So, um, you know, we're able to pick up and sort of go anywhere. So I think it was just more about putting in those rituals as a business to make sure we stay connected as a team. And, um, you know, I started doing things like mental health check-ins with all of our team members to make sure, they're all doing okay, which is probably yeah. not something I was I was doing before. Um so yeah, look it's changed a lot of those things and made us really um re-emphasize as a business the importance of culture and you know having team members who are buying into the vision that the company has and you know, actually what is the vision? So setting a vision, setting a purpose and and kind of sticking to that. So I guess as a leader in a business that was my priority. Because once growth and sales and customers is out of your control because something like a pandemic, you know, kind of kills a lot of that for you, um, you've got to sort of, sort of put your hands up and go, well, what's next? What do I focus on? So mm-hmm. we focused on culture and, and building like a really, you know, really powerful team dynamic, which I think is, again, if it wasn't for COVID, I probably would have just been wheel spinning, just trying to grow, grow, grow like most people Yeah,
1: It's almost like take advantage of the downtime if you have to have it a little bit.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Refocus and all those kind of things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I think probably, probably we need to address a few of the personal sides of a big move like this. So um, after you moved, was it sort of the idyllic kind of sea change you were expecting having lived there before yourself or did um, you and your partner sort of encounter some other barriers that um, you weren't expecting?
2: um i mean where we moved to like absolutely love it it's really beautiful mm. um you know we're really close to the beach and it sort of ticked all of those kind of boxes off for us you know we both of us have started surfing as much Cheers. as it sounds like city slickers <laughs> moving to the coast it's like i think we've pretty much embraced it you know and we've met some some cool people um you know i work from a co-working space up there a few days a week so i've been able to make some social connections that way um and a few friends who already lived down there, so um, I think the the barriers were kind of almost non-existent. But the thing we we noticed, you know, it was like a, just a change in you know the the feeling. We're so used to being so hustle and bustle and fast, For and sure. meetings every day, and and it's just kind of like it just completely stopped. You know, it was really weird. Um, I guess that was the main thing. And then with the whole COVID situation going on, like none of our friends and family from Melbourne could come and visit us. So yeah. we were kind of on our own in our own little bubble, even though we had a lot more freedoms down there than people in Melbourne did. Mm, um, yeah, No household at least. Yeah, we've, we still haven't had that. So mm. um, yeah, it's been six months and we've had like three or four of our friends and family kind of able to come down and visit us during that really kind of brief period where the restrictions were lifted for a minute. So yeah
1: did um in in terms of the financial aspect of of moving and then sort of moving away from cbd where sort of the cost of living is generally seen as more more has higher did any big expenses come up which you didn't anticipate or has it sort of been
2: what you expected in terms of spending um well i guess we i mean we bought a house up there so that was yeah. the you saw that, that coming of the the mammoth expense that kind of mm. um that we had to dive into you know before we did anything um but, I mean, the thing is as well, it's like, you know, from talking to my, my mate who's been living down there for over a year now, um, he's saying, you know, you, you can't spend your money down here. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, whereas, you know, you're in the city and I've noticed that whenever I come back to the office into into Collingwood to, to stay in town or whatever, um, I'm on Uber Eats every 10 minutes and uh, those sort of things. But whereas, you know, back in Janjak, we don't have Uber Eats. Oh cool. I'm not ordering I'm not ordering food every day. We're cooking all of our own meals, um, which has been better for us, you know.
1: Yeah, the temptation financial
2: reasons. Yeah. Taken so, away. But I guess spending-wise there hasn't been much to spend money on. I think for anyone I've, I've, I've sort of heard that most people have got more money in their bank accounts, you know, who were
1: yeah. who were able to who
2: were able to stay gainfully employed during that time, so.
1: Totally.
2: Um yeah, look I think it's we've probably, you know, been able to spend a bit less. We had a look obviously running a business and, you know, COVID impacted that to a certain extent. We had to have a full look at everything we were doing. Mm. Um, So, you know, cut a few things we didn't need here and there, some of our bigger expenses. Um, And then, yeah, but since then it's been, you know, things have been starting to, to tick in that positive direction again.
1: Yeah, it is sounding good. At this point in terms of how things are running and personally, I mean, you've bought a house does it feel like it's a a permanent shift for you?
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, even just, just talking to some friends and and stuff, I just sort of, I can't see myself, you know, it's only, it's only early days. So uh, Mm. who knows, who knows, but six months in, I'm already sort of thinking, you know, why didn't I do this earlier? (laughs) Uh, how, How could I ever go back to, you know, the, the stress of the city mm. again you know when, you, when um, you
1: do commute back either for work related things or social events obviously it's a new experience recently but um does it how does it feel it's a bit weird
2: well the thing is there's been, like until last night in melbourne mm. absolutely everything has been you know really really like closed there's been nothing to do so it's actually been quite eerie it's almost it's a lot quieter mm. here now, and i'm only coming into town for um, work purposes, so not a lot of social stuff happening. Obviously, not allowed to. But um, yeah, so going around, we, we had a work meeting yesterday where we had to drive to go see a client, and um, yeah, no one on the roads. Um, yeah, so quite eerie. So very different to. I don't think it's a good um, a good analogy to what it would be like ordinarily for somebody who would have moved from coast to city or city to coast or whatever during mm. a non-pandemic. But um, yeah, cities felt really eerie to come back to although it's really beautiful when you're driving in and you get to see it all because there was probably a, a four-month period where I didn't actually come back to Melbourne once so the longest period in my life where I hadn't been in a city
1: yeah and, really cut um, off
2: yeah so getting back in for the first time and sort of driving over the Westgate Bridge and starting to see all of the towers and stuff I was like whoa it's actually mm. it's actually pretty impressive what we've done in Melbourne it's a big city so totally um, yeah, yeah it, is, be... it is a different it is a different feeling
1: yeah over the next couple of months and years, I suppose as things reopen, that'll sort of shift and change a bit. but um, I guess my final question would be if you were talking to someone else who was considering a similar move, moving away from metropolitan areas to somewhere somewhere maybe ninety minutes out or even more um more remote or regional. what would be your like your biggest checklist item or top tip to um to share with them?
2: I'd probably think just um, you know, know, know where you actually want to move. We, we had a, we had our sort of site set on this particular location. Mm. Um, you know, make sure, well, not make sure, but I guess it's helpful if you know some people around as well. You don't want to kind of get into a regional spot and not know anyone. It can be quite isolating, which it sort of has been for us due to, um, obviously people can't come and visit us, but, um, yeah, I think like know where you you want to live and then you just got to hustle, to get the place you want as well. Mm. Um, I was literally refreshing real estate. dot com until the place I wanted literally popped up after a refresh. And then I, this is the one I called them. And then, you know, twenty four hours later, we were down there looking at it and had bought it. You know, twenty four hours later. So wow. Um, so I think it's just particularly as people look to move more regional now. Obviously, as we've done. Um, you know, there's a few trends happening around. You know, people wanting to get out of the cities. I think it's going to get more competitive. So. You've probably got to be on your game um, mm. and trying and snag a good deal when you can,
1: yeah, speaking of that, I was thinking moving regionally was there was there a sort of some financial motivation in addition to the the lifestyle factors that you were after for buying a house um, and, and anything else like that
2: No, not really um, it was more it was definitely a lifestyle thing for us yeah. um, I think it was that we were purely focused on just um what do we want to do in our lives? And now yeah. that we know we can achieve it, um, you know, due to remote work and stuff, let's go and make it happen. And you totally. know, the worst, the worst thing that happens, we could sell the house and move back. It's really not that big of a deal. So um, Yeah,
1: there's plenty yeah, of room so, in the future for everything.
2: Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So financial, it wasn't a financial decision for us. It was a lifestyle choice, but I think there's been some positive financial flow-ons from it, you know, not spending mm. as much as we normally would. Um, not drinking as much as we normally would with you know being in city and those sort of things so i think health and financial wise has probably been a good move for sure all right we'll better leave
1: it there ash thank you so much for the chat today
2: cool all no right thank you
0: so i have two big takeaways there uh first of all mm-hmm it sounds like an ideal move. Like there sounds like so many upsides. um, Mm. It sounds like they've done this very well. Um, Secondly, like shared experience with the lack of Uber Eats and the massive savings (laughs) that that can provide. That was like my biggest takeaway. I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. I guess if you don't have the chance to spend money, then you're not going to spend money. Right?
1: Yeah. And you're like, do I have an addiction to home delivery of food? Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I'm the same. I feel like the, the ocean is pulling me back towards it um, because it's, it's where I came from. And I'm like, I have free time. I could be swimming in the evening. But I think for now, I'll just have to be satisfied with the beans. So this is the last segment of the show where we kind of roast ourselves and others a bit and we maybe roast some beans. Um, and it's generally about sort of the awkward financial blunders or more outlandish experiences that we've had.
0: Yeah, and since we've been talking about moving and spending more, we thought it might be, you know, a good idea to talk about the opposite today. So the question that we're posing to ourselves and to all of you eager, eager listeners is if you live at home with your folks or you did do you treat your parents and family like any other roomie? So splitting bills and chores down the middle, or can you get away with less financial responsibility?
1: No, that's it. I feel like it's a tough Mm. one because it's, it's going to be like just before anything else, it's going to be dependent on your family's finances. your kind of your experience with money growing up and what life stage you're at and sort of, Across all of that, some of the cultural expectations that that can exist in regards to like to family in that way. So there's a lot, there's a lot to think about in there.
0: Okay, so well, let's cut out the real like young guns then, like the eighteen, yeah. nineteen year olds on a gap year or in their first year of uni and they're looking for a place to live. Let's let's talk about people after that life stage.
1: Okay, well yeah, we'll give them a yeah. break. I feel like you're so fresh. You're just little babies just emerging babies. from your cocoons. <laughs> yeah. Um, So when you're sort of not considering that group, I'm pretty strict on this, and I say you got to pay your dues. So if you're you stick say you're not you're not a baby, you're sticking around to your mid twenties or even your thirties, which I think is becoming a more common phenomenon. Oh, definitely. Um, And you're yeah, and you're doing so in an effort to save money while you study or while you kick your career off because your parents are like, yeah, totally, that's fine, and then it's just it turns out cheaper in every way. But essentially, like, I kind of see it as you're a little, you're, in a way, you're, it, when you approach it like this, you are profiting at your parents' expense because they are paying rent and bills or whatever, and you should, at the very least, pay your percentage of the, you know, whatever electricity you use as a third of the household and groceries and whatever they might, you know, get in rent for your room, if that were an
0: option, Yeah, you know? I Yeah, I get that. Do you do you think this is coming out of jealousy from both of us? So, because neither <laughs> of our parents like they don't live in Sydney, so we no, don't have my this. Ma-
1: my mum would have loved me to oh, stay really? longer. I was like, I'm out of here. I got i got I got a party. Oh wow, well, okay, yeah. okay, so
0: totally rolling. I was ready. <laughs> I mean, I think personally, I think it comes down to like the capacity of the parents. Um, but I I, yeah. I like generally agree with you. Like, if you're earning, yeah. you should probably be chipping in. Um, Maybe it doesn't have to be as much as like you know someone that some random that would come and have that room, but you know something, something, <laughs> yeah, something to my, make my, things. My right.
1: rates are very strict for my oh, children. Oh, yeah. So your, your market rates for your kids are. <laughs> Maybe yeah, we'll see.
0: You know, so I, I, I think it's. I think these things are kind of good. Just. For like your own financial independence and like the realities of life yeah. right like it's good to be able to pay rent and uh, pay your own phone plan and car insurance and just chip in for groceries and yeah get used to those kind of realities
1: yeah otherwise you're gonna be out in the world and all of a sudden have to learn all those things in one big go and it's gonna be too much Terrifying. but like also my other rules for my tenants which i don't have is you know, run a vacuum around the place every once in a while. Make sure you clean the kitchen and stuff because that's also essential roommate, you know, realities that you're going to have to, you're going to end up getting in fights afterwards if you don't learn how to do that.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I feel like you're more of the hot ass here and that I'm the lovely kind of accommodating uh, (laughs) parents-to-be. But yeah.
1: I also just don't, I like vacuuming. I find it quite soothing. I actually agree with you.
0: I find it really soothing too. I'm (laughs) the vacuuming (laughs) person, guy in our household.
1: Lovely. We'll vacuum together sometime.
0: But, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like the most boring thing compared to vacuum. But I, I think we can agree that financial life skills are important, no matter your parents' income. Um, so, yeah, kind of a bit of agreement there in the end.
1: For sure. And that's why we're here at the Finance group <laughs> to help you get there. And I mean, you know, if you do decide after this episode to go make a chore wheel and set out some money rules... I think that would be great and you can attribute it to the at Burrito. And in, in, you know, as payment, give us a review and a subscribe if it totally changes your life.
0: Please do. Um, and until next time, you can catch plenty of, you know, money saving ideas and insight from our show on our Facebook and Instagram pages. So uh, go give those to a follow, please. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, as always, big thanks to Gemma and Jada, our researchers, Claire, our producer, and Rihanna, our social media manager.
0: Thanks, guys. See you soon. Just remember, as Mozo writers, we're providing general financial product information. So we're not taking into account your specific financial situation, needs, or personal objectives. We are not recommending any specific product to you. The best advice we can give you is to make your own financial decisions or seek out independent advice. This podcast was brought to you by mozo.com.au.